Hey, Jen. Hey, Tina. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. You're listening to Speaking of Racism. Today, we are welcoming to the podcast, Jessica Care Moore. Over the past two decades, Jessica has become a cultural force as a poet, performer, publisher, activist, and critic. Her latest book is entitled, We Want Our Bodies Back. Jessica is the founder and CEO of More Black Press, She's the executive producer of Black Women Rock, and she's also the founder of the literacy-driven Jess Care More Foundation. An internationally renowned poet, playwright, performance artist, and producer, she is the 2019 and 2017 Night Arts Award winner, NAACP Great Expectations Awardee, and an Acclaim Locke Award recipient from the Detroit Institute of Arts. Moore is also the author of The Words Don't Fit in My Mouth, The Alphabet Versus the Ghetto, Sunlight Through Bullet Holes, and the critically acclaimed techno choreo poem, Salt City. Her work has been published in numerous literary collections, and she has performed on stages all over the world, including the Apollo Theater, Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, and the London Institute for Contemporary Arts. Jessica lives and writes in a historic Detroit neighborhood with her son, King Thomas. So the first thing I would love for you to share with our audience, what we typically do is give an overview, a bio of of the guests, but I want to ask you, and we're still going to do that, but I do want to ask you, how do you describe yourself? If just, just who are you? (laughs) Wow. So who am I? I'm a poet. I'm absolutely a poet. Um, I'm King's mama. Um, I'm a, I'm a long time. uh, I've become a lot of things over time, Steve, because you know, you're constantly evolving. And so in addition to just being a poet, I'm also definitely an institution builder, um, cultural arts activist, uh, curator of live arts. Uh, a, a void filler for black women who play rock and roll, you know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm yeah, a cultural critic. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. I'm definitely a Detroiter, and um, I'm very black. So there's that. <laughs> I'm all those things. I'm some other things too, but I'm definitely those. Okay. And that's beautiful. And I, I'm glad I asked that because to hear you describe yourself in those vibrant colorful terms that's beautiful that was was beautiful I love that so tell us and and that's important to hear in your own words how you see yourself how you view yourself how you describe yourself because there's a list when I was looking at your bio just going that's a it's it's kind of a lot and so that's why I don't want to take time right now to go through it I did want people to understand and just to hear how you describe yourself so thank you for that so tell us about I think I'd love to jump into um, especially since you, as, as that first description of poet, yeah. tell me what that means to you. And then let's just jump into the book. We want our bodies back and let, let's go from there. Okay. So, I mean, I've been a poet 
probably since I was around nine or 10 years old. Um, but as a professional 25 years, uh, poetry is the language of love, is the language of resistance, is uh, the language of survival. It is how I exist. Um, my, I'm sitting in a house that poems built. I, I fed my children, my son Omari, when he was a little one, um, my earth son, and now my birth son, King, and other children, stepchildren I've had. I've taken care of kids on poems and I've basically, I, I mean, Maya Angelou has this really incredible quote about the imagination and how she basically used her imagination like to write herself into existence. And I feel like that's what I've done. You know, I've, I'm from a working class black city. Um, nobody told me I could be a poet for a living. That was, most people don't tell black girls that. Uh, and somehow I found a way to break through and um, not just somehow, there were some things that happened. I mean, in 1995, I moved to Brooklyn, New York. At that time, I had become a poet. My father died in 94. And these poems just like were literally spilling out of me. I was always writing poems in my notebook and writing about boys and death and all kinds of things. And, and then um, I went to college, I went to Michigan State and became a very outspoken activist on campus um, and a campus of 50,000 white students realized that my voice um, was being ignored and, um, and, and decided to, to start becoming more of an organizer. And I was all of 17 years old um, when I started getting, realizing that, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, and I, I grew up so strong and with a very strong black father in my home. So I was always, you know, in brothers, older brothers. So I felt very confident with my voice. And when I saw, so the first time really feeling like, wow, my voice doesn't matter on this campus. Like, what's up with this? Like, we need to change this. And so that fire had got lit and it ain't really stopped burning since. I mean, and so, and that's in my work. So the, it went from like, I'm writing poems about, okay, love or whatever to I'm writing poems for social justice before they were saying social justice. Um, and then something really remarkable happened before college is that I found into Zaki Shange in 11th grade. And so like, God bless my, drama teacher Susan Story who brought for colored girls into the black box theater. Ooh, girl, I'll cry because my whole life changed. I, the trajectory of my life changed after I saw for colored girls. And then I went to the library on Joy Road up the street from my house and I found Audre Lorde and Sonia Sanchez and Lucille Clifton and Dudley Randall and the black poets um, anthology that came out of Detroit and um, Haki Madabuti, Amiri Baraka. I just started to fill my mind up with poetry and um it's just a really deep a deep thing because i would move to new york at a year a few after college um after doing a few years in college and you know left michigan state went to wayne state university and i was in like my third year and um i moved to new york i don't know why i just I, something told me to go and i moved to brooklyn and five months later poem i wrote um uh, in Detroit called Black Statue of Liberty became something that the Apollo Theater <laughs> decided was theirs. And I and my life changed um, very fast. And, um, and and even before the, the Apollo, um, when I was in Detroit, I did have a chance. I became a popular poet here. And I opened for the last poets when they came in town. And they become some of my mentors. And so before I even did the Apollo, if people don't know, I won Showtime at the Apollo in 1995. Uh, and became an Apollo legend. I won five weeks in a row with a poem and nothing has been the same since, to be honest. 
But the last poets will put me on the road before I even did that. I was at Aviodun Oyewole's house on Morningside Drive in Harlem asking him which poem should I do on the Apollo? And they were like, you got to do Black Statue of Liberty. And so, um, and I was all up 22, you know, and like, I was a baby, you know, and here I am getting stopped by members of the Wu-Tang Clan on the street. Karis One knew who I was, Nas knew who I was. Um, Everyone who was there, uh, Paul Mooney was there, Brandy was there, Steve Harvey and Kiki Shepard and Ray Shue and the crew. I mean, these people became people that I got to know pretty well because they were witnessing something that had never happened before with a, with a poem, with a, a black poet in a place called New York City on a street called 125th Street, where poems were alive inside of black poets historically always, right? Um, since the Harlem Renaissance days and Zora and Langston. Um, so the energy of that space, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it was just an opening and um, it's like 25 years later and I'm still here, you know. You're still here. And, yeah. and that's a beautiful story. Thank you for taking us through from the beginning, the, the early years. It's remarkable to reflect back on where you've, you've been and where you've come from and where you are today. Yeah. So just bringing that full circle to how impactful poetry is. Mm. What, what would you say about how you hope that your poems will connect and inspire with folks during this particular moment? Okay. 2020, COVID-19, <laughs> the end, thank the, the ancestors for the end of the Trump administration, all of those things, right? <laughs> how, how do you hope that your poetry will connect and inspire right now? I mean, I'm just, I'm really blessed to be still here um, during the pandemic working still with people like you interested in talking about my work. Um, we Want Our Bodies Back is my fifth book. It came out on HarperCollins Amistad, March of 2020. So here I am. I've been a poet all these years. My first four books are all on More Black Press. So in 1997, I started More Black Press and started publishing myself and other poets um, around me in New York City. But we want our bodies back was so special. Um, the title poem is for Sandra Bland. And um, I had this huge book tour set up, of course, during the pandemic, all over the country. It was headed to the UK in May. And I literally watched it all fall apart, you know, um, when COVID first hit. And we're in, I'm in Detroit and we got hit hard, still getting hit hard, especially in the African-American community. I was scared. I was just like, oh, they're not going to cancel. Or maybe this one will cancel, but they're not going to cancel. And it just like every day another thing was canceled. And, um, and then my friends started dying and people I love's friends started dying and family members. And so I didn't care anymore. I was like, okay, I'm over the money that I just lost. Um, most of my income I make in the spring for the, that gets me to the fall. So I was like, okay, that's gone. So what, what do you do now, Jessica? Like, what, what is, what does we want our bodies back mean for you? And then, and then George Floyd's life was taken and, and suddenly I didn't change. The world changed. And because this is the work that I've been doing. My books, my Sunlight Through Bullet Holes, God is Not an American, my third and fourth books are all rooted in Black bodies and survival and um, anti-police violence and anti-racism. Like all of my work has been rooted, it's been founded and grounded in that voice, right? Um, but now we are, I have We Want Our Bodies Back for Sandra Bland. I have a poem called I Can't Breathe inside the book, which is the last three words that we heard George Floyd say. That poem was for Eric Garner. That poem was for Michael Brown. You know, that was for Tamir Rice. And so um, 
my work, I suddenly, things shifted. I'm an artist that was never, I was, I'm, I tour constantly. I'm always in front of people. When I'm at home, I'm at home. I've never did Facebook Live. I never did Instagram Live. And I had to get over it. And I had to start getting my butt online. And I don't, you know, I mean, so the, the requests started coming in from bookstores. And I decided to do an independent bookstore tour. So I started supporting independent, Black-owned, revolutionary, woman-owned bookstores only. And it was phenomenal. And then, you know, with bookstores, you don't make money. But I wanted to keep this book, We Want Our Bodies Back Alive. The, the work is so important and speaks to this moment in time. And I know that the work is relevant to the moment and it's a healing space and, and that we need to talk about. We have, I mean, Paul, we do the heavy lifting as black artists who are really doing the work of what black artists are supposed to be doing. And, um, I'm, and I'm happy to contribute to my voice, but I can say to you, sis, in tw this December, 2020 coming, like I have not stopped the entire pandemic. I started to do that. And then the, the request just started coming in and I shifted and I, I can't, exp I don't even, I can't, count how many zooms and I'm not the only one I talked to my other artist friends and some of us you know had the privilege of a, a nice savings account to be able to just kind of go quietly just be quiet and I just I just didn't think this was the time for me to become a recluse this was not the time for me to not be available so I said yes to the point that I should I have to stop and I'm definitely taking a full break <laughs> in some December December mid-December into January so that I can um, reboot myself for 21. But the work is, um, yeah, I mean, it's, we, I mean, it speaks for itself. I think people need to get the book and um, and support independent artists. I mean, I'm a poet, I'm on HarperCollins, I'm a star, but that, you know, that money I got in 2018 is gone. And so please do go to jessicacaremore.com and get the other books too, get some I do bullet holes. But like, you know, books and artists, like God bless the poets, God bless the DJs, God bless the painters, God bless the artists who, decided to not hide and to say, we're gonna give because, you know, I mean, art is a form of activism in itself when it's being done correctly, I think. Um, and you really inspiring people just to keep going and giving people some life. I mean, it's hard to these digital mechanisms, you know, to connect with spirit. I need spirit, I need ancestors, I need audience, I need to feel, um, but I'm doing everything in my power to to make sure our black women's voices in particular and our lives are not are not quiet, right? Because this is, you can look at what's happening with Breonna Taylor and the difference, you know? Like the difference between Breonna Taylor and George Floyd is so, it's like night and day, you know? I mean, I just, with, you, know, you have to fight for the say her name. You know, we had to, you know, Sandra Bland, people not even saying her name anymore. Um, and, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. I, I, that's important because I was actually going to ask you about that. At a, in a year of 2020, where when I think about this year, when I reflect back on 2020, of course, there's going to be a lot that I will remember and hold the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. One of the central and pivotal um, folks that has impacted myself and so many of us is Breonna Taylor. Yeah. So I, I love the fact that you, your book, We Want Our Bodies Back, mm -hmm. is inspired by and dedicated to Sandra Bland. Yes. Um, because her name, we need to remember, we need to continue to speak, right. along with so many other names, right? But I, I just think that's an important, um, an important point to note is that, that you brought in um, Sandra yes. Bland, because she continues to be with us um, as, oh, wow. as an ancestor now, as 
as Brianna Taylor is as well. So that's which is just so sad. I mean, Brianna Taylor's just a baby, you know, and Sandra Bland was 28. I mean, these are young, these are young women who are gone, who don't have to be gone, you know, and, and this country, you know, with this Trump administration, I think, you know, with, you know, half the people still voting for this man to still, you know, which is just very scary, you know, and that's, and I'm glad that he's on his way out kicking and screaming, of course, but he's leaving, he's going to have to leave. But the fact that half this country, half the people who voted, let's say that, right, who are participating in this thing called voting, actually still want him to stay. And that's, mm-hmm. and you know, and I travel for a living. So I, you know, I get on those planes and I just look and I'm like, yo, you know, if I'm ever sitting in first class, I'm always kind of like wondering, you know, wow, were you one of the ones, you know what I mean? Who wanted this white supremacist, um, Nazi, you know, fascist figure to, be the president again? Like, is that what you really, you wanted the foot on our necks? You know, you mm-hmm. cool with George Floyd dying like that? And mm-hmm. that creates a very, a different kind of strangeness in this country that we have to deal with. I live in a, a historically black neighborhood, you know, but there's white folks in my neighborhood too. And you know, you're always kind of like, just kind of checking. Like in Detroit is different, you know, cause you know, we saved the election. You're welcome. So, you know, Detroit is not playing. Absolutely. We got to give our props to Detroit. <laughs> Shout out to Detroit. Absolutely. For what y'all did with the election. Thank you. Oh, my God. You know, it was so funny when people were calling, heading me up from uh, Cali and different folks were like, I'm so disappointed in Michigan. I was like, I don't know why, because they ain't count Wayne County yet. So <laughs> hold on, boo boo, because we coming. <laughs> And they try to suppress the vote um, here, you know, as they had did in Milwaukee and other cities as well, right? In Philly, um, to suppress the black vote, which is, you know, come on, y'all, that this is what they do, you know? It's the oldest time, absolutely. They've been been doing this. So I I would, can you talk about, so I'm a a fan of Nina Simone. I know that you are as well. And so I could not wait to ask you, what inspired you to connect each of the stanzas throughout the book to Nina Simone lyrics. Anytime I, I think about music and poetry as the soundtrack of our lives, right? So how beautiful that you brought Nina. She's one of my heroes. I was listening to, I have a vinyl record player. So I was actually up listening to her record last night, listening to, I put a spell on you. And, and I was, um, so Nina's a model for me. She's like, I have these, these women, these black women in particular that I hold close to um, keep me sane in this place, to be honest, to like, you know, who do you put on when you want to escape America? <laughs> you know, who do you want, who do you put on when you want a reminder that um, you still, there's still work to be done and that you're needed. And um, Nina Simone's choices as an artist, beyond just her master piano playing, beyond her voice, her choices are give me chills. Her choices are what made me possible. I'm I'm not an artist just to, because I want to make pretty art. You know what I mean? I, I want to make change. And Nina Simone made decisions aligning herself with the civil rights movement because she wasn't just going to be a quiet black artist that came and played the piano and left politely and was grateful for the gig. I'm not grateful for gigs. When people be telling me congratulations, when I'm, I was like, I should get the work. I'd be like, no, they need me. I don't feel like I'm, I don't want to be congratulated for doing my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. Don't congratulate me. It's my life work. You know, um, just make sure that I stay working. I don't need congratulations. I need you to make sure I'm, that my voice doesn't get pushed to the outskirts. 
that I'm in, I'm, I'm able to work and live and, 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 and inspire little girls. And Nina Simone, we want our bodies back. I, I put her song lyrics because I wrote that poem. It was almost like Sandra Bland was with me, I swear. And I wrote it as it was, it's a rant, it's a prayer, it's a chant, it's a call to action. And then I was thinking, I like, I need something to pull me back in because the sorrow of it, the despair of what happened to Sandra Bland will have you just not frozen. And so to keep me going, like she became like this mantra in my head, like, you know, um, I put a spell on you um, and with all the, whatever songs that I put to, to, it's just me going, Nina Simone did this, you got this. Jessica, write the poem, write the poem. And so, yeah, I mean, she's, she's one of my go-tos and there's not many like her. That's still there really aren't. There, there really aren't. And it's funny you mentioned, I put a spell on you because I was listening to that this weekend. I mean, yes. just so many of her songs, I think about Here Comes the Sun. So for our listeners, if you have not tapped into oh. the magic, oh. that is Nina Simone, mm. get to your 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 music streaming service immediately yes. um, and, and get you some beautiful Nina Simone in your life. Um, mm. I've asked you to read a poem. Oh, yeah. So I would love for you to select whatever poem you would like to share with us. I love it. I'm going to do Where Are the People. Um, Where Are the People was a poem I wrote when me and my son were in Detroit. Um, there's an area that, you, that is the Cass Corridor that's been renamed, right? So if you live in major cities and in, in urban places, you know that uh, gentrification is real and that you see the difference. You see watching things change and you see rents go up. And people that made the the neighborhood great can no longer afford to live in the neighborhood. And it's also a displacement of, of the poor and the homeless. And so um, we got a pizza from uh, a trendy new pizza place and they put pepperoni on the pizza by accident. We don't eat it. We don't, we're vegetarian. And so uh, we we're trying to find someone to give a pizza to, literally just driving up Cass Corridor. And this is an area, sis, like years ago, like and I'm going to say five years ago. I mean, just five, we could have easily found someone to give a pizza to. And I just drove down. I was like, I can't believe I can't find one person to give some food to, you know? Um, and I came home and I wrote this poem called Where Are the People for the People We Can No Longer Locate. So, where are the one-way tickets? Who signed the death certificates? Where are the magicians, the madmen, the, the toothless, the smoothless, the poets, the corner store prophets, the bus stop historians, the traffic stoppers? Where are the people? Where are the blues? Under which pile of gravel? Where are they buried? Hurricane cast corridor, hurricane cast corridor. Where is the soil, the soul, the socks, the soles, the shoes? Where is the soil, the soul, the socks, the soles, the shoes? Where is the heroin? Where are the pills? Where are the women? Where are the thrills? Where is cast corridor? My student asked, is it a building? Is it this way? Is it that way? Your school is sitting in it. You, is it? I answer. The dogs are walking the people. The dogs are walking the people. The dogs have parks. The parks don't have children. Where are the people? The stepped over, the forgotten Holocaust, the fragile, the beautiful, the fast talkers, the backward walkers, the 3 a.m. stalkers. Where do they take them? When will they return? Where is the balance? Where is the money? Where is the schools? Where are the people? We all got Wi-Fi. Nobody getting high outside. Where are their heads? Where is their beds? Where are the recognizable street signs? Where is Joe Lewis? Where are the black people? 
my white neighbor asked me, Jessica, where are the black people? Where are the chosen people? Where are our hearts, our guitars, our bass players, Kenny Mack, Anthony Tolston, rest in peace. Where are the anointed, the children of God? Where is the sage, the holy water? Where is the black imagination located? How much does it cost per square feet to rent there? Is there a rent to own your black imagination option? Where are the couples fighting in the alleys? Where are the purple flavor Mad Dog 2020 labels? Where are the needles? Where is the good time? Where did all these goddamn bike lanes come from? Where is the line to simply exist? Where is the painted line to live, to breathe? Where are the parks with swings? Where are the children supposed to live? Where are the children supposed to run? Where are the twilight teasers, the moonlight mythology makers? Where are the military, where are our military vets? Where are mentally ill? Where are the people, where are the people? Where are the people, San Francisco, Oakland, Harlem, Detroit, Chicago, do you know? Do you know, huh? Have you seen them? Did they all die so new Detroit could live? Did they all die so new San Francisco could live? Did they all die so new Brooklyn could live? Where is your conscience? Where is this nonsense coming from? Where is humanity? Where are the people, the one-way tickets? The message is still in the bottle. Where are the indigenous? Where are the salt mines? Where are the people? Where are the people? Where are the people when you find them? Please tell them. I have an overpriced gentrified cheese and pork pizza with their names on it. Tell them I'm writing for them so they won't disappear without a fight. So that's my poem. <laughs> Girl. Tina! <laughs> Look, don't, it's, don't get me emotional this morning. Mm. Listen. For the bodies we can no longer locate. Thank you. We need, we need your, we need that. We need your voice so much. Thank you. Oh, you made me cry. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for that poem. Um, you beautifully encompassed that we we are all of these places. We are. That's right. Mm. It's us. It's in us. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. No, it means a lot. Because <laughs> I'm just reading it for you, Tina. No one else is here. <laughs> I, we've never oh, thank you this is the first poem we've had read on the podcast <laughs> and i now i want to bring in more like that was it was yeah well it's what i do best i mean i can talk about the work but my work is better than me you know <laughs> to be honest so i i like the the work speaking for me is even better than me speaking for me absolutely so jessica um what is bringing you joy right now <laughs> oh my goodness so, I mean, a few things, you know, watching my, my son King is 14. So watching him uh, minute, figure out this thing called high school, you know, at home, watching him become a young man, uh, the ideas that are in his head. So watching him becoming, and I mean, I'm normally on the road. I, I leave my son a lot and come home. I don't leave for long periods of time. I'm usually gone and come back and then gone and come back. And this has been a time where we've like driven each other crazy, but also a time for us to really get to know each other. Um, and so as much as he thinks that I need, you want my mommy breaks, he that's bringing me joy. And also, you know, I've, because I'm always traveling, you know, um, developing relationships and love, love is not easy because my I live on the road or I'm just so career focused. Um, and I've been, you know, I've been married twice years ago. And, and so in this space that I'm in, I've gotten to know people 
in a way that I haven't been able to. So I'm grateful. I have a really beautiful friend in my life that I'm very grateful for that I've known for about a decade, but, um, you know, I can't even explain like the, you know, you have these friends and people that are in your life and when you, and people know you, you don't really get to know people when people know you, <laughs> it's difficult like to, to have authentic friendships, right? Um, Talib Kweli is absolutely one of those people. One of my dearest friends who I think during this pandemic, we realized how consistent we've been for, I don't know, we've been friends 25 years since the year 1995. We've been friends a long time. Also in touch with uh, Yasin Bay, you know, just him going to Yellow Springs um, where Dave Chappelle set up his outdoor, beautiful <laughs> outdoor comedy stage um, that, you know, let a poet called named Jessica come on and rock it in, in June. And I couldn't leave Yellow Springs. I literally went every month with my son. Um, but yeah, this, I think uh, love is where I'm finding joy, where I'm seeing love in places that I didn't see it before. And love in places that, you know, and not just like in a silly way, just uh, authentic, finding authentic people who like, you figure out who loves you, I think during this time. Like who, who's really checking on me? Who really is wondering, am I okay? Is my, are you okay, Jessica? Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, how you doing? You good? And, and people have, some people have disappeared. <laughs> and then others are so present, it's overwhelming. And so that's bringing me joy. I told you I was on the phone caking like I was 15 last night. I love that you did that. My long conversations um, are bringing me a lot of joy right now. So I never have time for them normally. I just don't. And so making space for things that normally you took for granted, just like the, uh, a beautiful conversation with someone who cares about you. I don't know, playing records. I was playing records in the middle of the night, playing my vinyl records at like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. And that's things that, you know, just when I'm in my regular, and mind you, the Zoom schedule is real, but the travel thing is different. It requires a whole different level of uh, strength and, and rest and- um, and all of that, yes. All of things. And so, yeah, I I'm, I'm think the things that are, that are bringing me joy are very small things, you know, little small things. Um, my friends putting out books, a couple of my friends, um, Wordsworth is an MC, he put out a book, New Beginnings. Um, my friend Booker Snow put out a beautiful book, uh, Journey to Love. Um, watching artists figure out a way to still put out art, you know, like watch us go, watch us still create. And um, that's that's brought me joy. Like just showing that it, our possibility, because you don't know what you can do <laughs> and what you can make happen until everything is not happening, until everything is standing still and it's just on you, like figure it out. And so I've, I've curated for the Child's Day Tribe Museum, two concerts, their gala, which is the Museum of African-American History here in Detroit, finding money for artists, um, supporting other artists, you know, shows the way, any way I can, my friends. Like Black Women Rock is a huge thing I've been doing for 16 years. So if people don't know about it, you should go to blackwomenrock.com. Um, it's a, a rock and roll, uh, a rock and roll concert weekend and educational beautiful healing weekend um, that supports black women who play rock and roll music. And I've been doing it 16 years and those women need support. So if you go to my website, you can find some of the women that are on that, on my show normally and, and support them by their music. Divinity Rocks has a, has a new, a new music coming out. She has new merch coming out. Divinity Rocks is an amazing bass player that headlines with us all the time. She's played with Beyonce, been all over the world and, um, and we love her. And so shout out to Divinity Rocks. Like I, 
you know, I, artists that are, Kimberly Nicole is doing live concerts from her closet in the UK. Jackie Vincent is online, um, who's out of Austin, Texas, constantly, you know, performing on guitar. Like artists are coming out saying, listen, we need you. And we're, we know we're needed right now and we need you to pay, to pay it forward. And so it gives me joy to, to support them, to say their names and to, um, and to know I'm not alone, that other, there's other poets and writers and musicians who are out here creating. Um, I, mean, I just, I'm my, I had a poem, I opened the Common album, Beautiful Revolution. So shout out to Kareem Riggins, uh, who's from Detroit, amazing drummer and producer who called my name and him and um, Rashid called me on a three-way and said, we got this project, Beautiful Revolution. And the, di- the deadline was like the next day, basically. And so I had to write this thing fast, um, but, but Common's vision for it was pretty, pretty precise and easy for me to understand. I got it, you know, and it's a beautiful project. I'm really excited. I'm on it with Black Thought, Lenny Kravitz, Stevie Wonder, Chuck D. It's a, it's a good project. So Beautiful Revolution, I think, is a another way of describing what's happening with, with Black art right now. And um, and I'm working on some more things. A Black Morocco is going to do a, a camp for girls, a rock and roll camp for girls. I'm working on getting funding for that in 21. And I'm going to be curating a uh, art exhibition for black women um with a, f- a foundation in february for black history month so i'm i'm not going anywhere tina like i'm here and you know um and i just if, if anyone's listening just you know I'm, I'm praying for people you know do i'm saying especially black women let me say i'm praying for people but i'm also saying that take that moment for yourself like to meditate make sure you're doing that stillness thing whatever gets you to that space of stillness i got uh, my meditation mentor is this brother I follow on Instagram. Just a beautiful brother that does um, Juma online and, and meditation. And I bought these beautiful beads um, that him and his family, they make. And it just kind of keeps me centered just to have have some stillness. And if it's just 15 minutes during the day um, to make sure that you're taking care of your, your body, right? And your spirit and your inside so that we can go out and help other people. Because uh, mothers forget women forget, especially black women, because we carry all the things. And so, um, yeah, like making it a part of my, you know, I always thought the idea of self-care was even kind of silly. I just didn't even do it. I just did it. I just go, you know? And so that's a part of my practice now is like making myself a bath, lighting my candles, like making sure that my space is my sanctuary. Um, everyone doesn't have, can't afford like all the things <laughs> to make self-care. You got self-care, right? It's your shower. <laughs> Make your showers like put your music on. I put my music on. I got my I got my Alice Coltrane playing. My showers be like lit, 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 lit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know. That's my long-winded way of saying, you know, um, I'm blessed. And that's another thing that brings me joy is my long, my long showers with my playing my my jazz or whatever. I feel like playing my Britney Howard, you know, whatever is getting my Britney Howard. Shout out to Britney Howard, her new album. You know, like everything, art keeps me going. It really does. Like art and love and music and all the things. And um, I think it keeps all of us going as we're look as we look back on this year. I, I, so many of us are going to be able to point to what was the music that got us through. What were the words? What were the poems? What were the stories that came out of right. this? I think we are. Yes, we have, it, it's been a unique opportunity to recognize how much art has saved us this year in particular. Oh my goodness. I mean, what would I be doing without these poems, these poems that I've had to share? We want our bodies back 
actually was turned into a film during the pandemic. Jonesy D out of the UK choreographer MC asked me, could I turn, can I work with you with your poem? I want to turn it into a short film. So I said, okay. So it's called Our Bodies Back. It's beautiful. It's these three amazing sisters from different parts who are in different countries interpreting the work. Um, you can find it on Sadler Wells website. You, Tina, you would love it. I'm going to send it to you. It's beautiful, but I'm watching, I'm crying and I'm watching these black women I've never met, these beautiful dancers body my work, literally. And it's, uh, Misty Copeland shared it actually on her page. And so the views are like out of, out of control because Misty shared it. Um, and but we'll, it, we'll definitely share it on the platform as well. So oh, our it's excellent. please, yeah, it's called Our Bodies Back. And so I'm, like, I've been able to create with people across the pond during the pandemic. Like normally I would be like, I don't know if I have time, but here we are suspended in this matrix, right? Only praying that, I mean, this Thanksgiving, it was hard. Like not, I don't even celebrate Thanksgiving, but for my friends who are missing their husbands, they've, my friends have lost their fathers, their sisters, their, their loved ones, their aunties during this pandemic. Like black people in Detroit got hit. You know what I mean? I can't, I stopped counting. And I lost, I think three friends in one week. And these are not, these are close friends, not like distant people, people I love, people I've loved for years and know and, and, would see, and I, my childhood friend, Nikki Barksdale, since, I don't know, I was 11, 12, my girlfriend's gone. I mean, it's just overwhelming. And so we got to all, I always have been saying, we're all here um, together apart, you know, healing each other. Cause you know, just, I mean, I see your tears and I like, I cure up because I mean, that the, it's such a fragile time, you know, um, for human beings, especially in this place. and. I'm just so happy that we've got Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and, and they're not my personal saviors and shit. You know, it's not like, I don't think like Joe Biden's gonna like change my life. Um, but I, I got a lot of hope in Kamala Harris though. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm just, the, the ener it's just about energy. That's what people don't understand. It's not like, oh, I'm a Democrat and I, I think the Democratic party is the way. No, I think energy is real. And that we simply need an energy shift because an energy shift can make a lot happen. Because that's all figurehead stuff, the president and the vice president. We know that there's bigger hands at play that we don't see. All us beautiful conspiracy theorists know this. So it's not even that deep, except that we need an energy shift. Like we need to know that there's people that don't think like Donald Trump in office making some decisions. I mean. If the, just on Betty DeVos, the fact that they're going to switch out that evil witch's plan. Like, you know, the babies in Detroit wouldn't let Betty DeVos come into the schools. They, they stood in front of the door. She's a witch and she's evil and she's racist and she don't care about no black kids and she don't care about black kids being educated. And so that energy shift that just alone, the things they are going to get to overturn quickly, um, you know, making sure people still can get food, you know. He was trying, you know, Trump was trying to block people from getting food, you know, um, from food stamps. And so like, you know, that's, so an energy shift, you know, it's small steps, but that's what I think we all need that. Even the people who voted for Trump, they don't even know how much they need the energy shift. As much as they want to stay in that ugly, disgusting, racist, small-minded, you know, you holding on, you the world minority and you're not winning. 
and you're not. And I know you feel that and that makes you feel fragile, but that's just the freaking reality. And you know what, black folks, black and brown people are gracious. So we're not gonna put you in chains the way you put us in chains. You know, <laughs> we're not gonna enslave your people the way you enslaved our people. Um, Cause that's what they worried about that we're gonna do to them what they did to us. Um, but we don't even have it in our, you know. We don't, we don't. And I think mm -hmm. that's such an incredible way to say it. it. We've all needed this energy shift that's coming and mm -hmm. that's where the power, the power is in and with the people. That's right. And that is what your art reminds me. That's what your poems remind me that, that it's, it's, it's us, it's, it's us. It's on us. It's on us. And we got it and we got it. <laughs> we got everybody and we always do. <laughs> We always do. We always do. So Jessica, thank you for we want our bodies back. Thank you for reading to us. Where are the people? Oh yeah. Uh, for your your work and your words, but not only your work and your words, but for your voice and the way that you bring your style and charisma and love yeah. and joy to others. It's thank been really um, precious and special being in your presence. Thank you um, so much. You too. I'm gonna stay in touch. I promise. Thank you to Grapes for the music. The song is I Don't Know.